Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Christina Laguerre joining us. We have such a fantastic conversation today, guys, so I want you to pull out the notepads, take notes, because you are going to love Christina. She was a professional golfer for 11 years and still operates as a golf host specialist with fundraisers and Fortune 500 executives, but she also has taken what she's learned on the course to the business world, and guys, there is something to it when someone has spent hours and hours, days and days, years and years perfecting their craft. I think an athlete truly knows what it takes to look at business with the long game perspective because they've had to apply it to their sport for years and years. So I really appreciate her perspective. I'm so excited to bring this conversation to your ears this week and to dive in. I think you're going to love her. I think you're going to want to work with her and I can't wait for you guys to get to know her. Hey, Christina. Hey girl, how are you? Great. I'm so excited to have you on. I know we got to chat before this night. I always love chatting with you. I would love for you to start by sharing your story and telling um, the Radiant Tribe who you are, what you do. You've had quite a career. And so I would love for you to kind of dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I loved being able to connect with you. We talked before, like you said, and I just dug it. And so I'm so excited to be on the podcast and connect with your whole entire tribe, which is so loyal and so amazing. I've been following you for a while, so I'm excited. But basically, my whole vibe is the fact that I, I'm originally from Canada. I grew up in Canada. I now actually call Arkansas home. And that story of how I went from Canada to Arkansas is all connected to golf. I uh, started playing golf quite late in life when I was about 18 years old and I got really good, really fast. And I got a scholarship to Arkansas. And so I came here 16 years ago now, actually 16 years ago this month, which is kind of crazy to think about, but they recruited me to play golf here. I won the first three tournaments I ever entered as an amateur, like really pretty much within two years, I got really good and came to Arkansas. I was horrible my first year, but the last three years I got really good as well. And I won five times. I was all American and I thought golf was going to be my life. I thought that that's what I was going to do. Everyone said, you're so good at it. And that's what I was told that I should do for a career path. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to turn professional. And so in the golf industry, you just declare yourself professional and then you have to go to qualifying tournaments and stuff like that. And so I went my very first year to LPGA qualifying school and I made it to final stage the first time, which is kind of not very many people do that. And I missed my full card that year by like one or two strokes. And that was um, in 2007, I believe. So about 11 years ago. So I played on the mini tours, which means just like the low, lower level right underneath the LPGA for about three years. And I'll be honest, I didn't really love it. I was I was told that I should love it. And I was told that it would be a fabulous career and that you'd make lots of money and you'd be so happy and all of the above. And I really didn't love it, to be honest with you. I love competition. I didn't so much love the professional aspect of playing golf. But 
along the way, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And along the way, I was asked to be on a reality golf show called The Big Break. And the first time I did it, I finished like fourth and it gave me a little bit of notoriety. And I was, when you play on the mini tours of golf, um, you don't make that much money. So after I was on this reality show and did pretty well, they, a company in Arkansas asked if I wanted to come out and play golf with their customers and clients. And at the time it was like $500 and that was a lot of money. So I was like, um, yeah, that sounds amazing. So I started doing corporate and charity golf events while I was playing golf still. I was still trying to make it out on tour. I was trying to become this famous golf girl. And I started working with these companies coming out to their events and talking to their clients and raising money for charity. And I fell in love. I was so excited to be able to use golf, which I love the competition of golf. I love the game of golf. I just didn't love playing golf to earn a check and like travel and kind of do that side of Mm -hmm. golf. So I started doing these corporate and charity golf events and fast forward, you know, 12 years ago or 11 years ago, how long, uh, long it is. I was doing about 40, um, 30 to 40 corporate and charity golf events each year. I raised over a million dollars for charity. I've played some of my clients are billionaires with a B. (laughs) Wow. I have fortune 500 clients. It's amazing. And I, literally love that I've been able to do that. I have learned so much from executives. I've learned so much from, you know, I play with everyone who is like a student to, you know, a teacher to Fortune 500. And I've learned so much from these people. And I truly love people. I love that aspect of my career so, so, so much. And about five years ago, or probably a little longer than that, I was just, I was trying to decide whether I was going to do the corporate golf, corporate and charity golf thing or play golf professionally. And I was really at probably one of the lowest times of my life. And I just made a decision pretty much that I was just going to figure out how to really enjoy the hell out of my life because I was really miserable trying to follow a career path in which someone was telling me I should do it because that's what, you know, that's what everyone wants to be a professional athlete and travel the world and get paid and be famous and all of that stuff. And so I just really started reading books and listening to podcasts and going to seminars and hiring coaches and mentors about probably about six years ago, because I was miserable. I really was. And I wanted to change my life. So I figured out, I just started doing work. I just did work and I worked on myself and I, I learned so much in that process. And so I started to talk like people could see a change in me. And so I started making, you know, I was talking to people on the golf course about mindset. I was talking to people on the golf course about how to change your life. I was talking about all of these things on the golf course and confidence and self-worth and all of this stuff and people were really digging it. So it's almost like I had become like this golfer mindset girl and like executives were loving it. And I made these connections on the golf course. And for a really long time, up until about maybe a year and a half ago, I was very much doing what I'm doing now just on the golf course. And it was, uh, most of my clients were men at the time. And I never really had a huge connection with women because a lot of, you know, a lot of the people that had hired me were definitely mostly men, mostly, most executives on the golf course. But I always, you know, I have a lot of great girlfriends. And I had some women asking me like how I seem so confident and how I get paid so much money to do this and how I've been able to kind of 
changed my life. And I know that people have noticed it if they've known me for a really long time, because it's, it is a significant difference in my mindset and my growth and how I act. And and because I'm hugely passionate about it, that it obviously it just comes off. And so I basically about maybe about a year and a half ago, I decided that I was limiting myself in just the golf course in just men. So then I started, you know, doing one on one speaking and coaching to women. I put together a women's mastermind that I launched this year, which has gone better than I could have possibly imagined. I just, the, the worst part about it is that I haven't picked a date to start next year. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting flack about that. But then I also launched an online course because I really wanted to be able to connect with more women and, you know, get women started in what it is that I do on a daily basis. You know, people create courses like to I don't know, educate people. I created this because I was like, people have asked me for so long, like, what have you done? What do you do? And I was like, okay, well then like, I'm just going to put this like down in a course, which by the way, it seems super simple, but I'm learning this whole (laughs) online process and it's not, but the easy part for me is recording the videos and creating the PDFs and creating the course itself, because it's not like I'm creating a course. I'm just putting my life on the internet for what, what people want to learn from me. And I'm grateful because I feel like I have been blessed by so many mentors and so many classes and so many podcasts and so many books that I'm just passing on a little tiny piece of my, my wisdom. So that's kind of my whole spiel. I still do golf. I'm still in the golf industry. It's just pretty neat how people want to get out on the golf course and talk all about, you know, mindset and, development and mentoring and all of that stuff. Cause that's what I truly love. And I love golf. Don't get me wrong. I'm an extremely competitive human. So I enjoy that part of it as well. Well, I love that. And I think a lot of people will, will relate sometimes when we demand a career out of something we love, we no longer love it anymore. So it seems like you've, you've found a way to keep the thing you love, but pivot in the way in which you make an income. So moving from competitions to then moving to the corporate space of, you know, entertaining these clients. I think that's so cool. And and it's a great, a great illustration of, you know, nothing is lost. You know, you didn't waste those years, you know, in the in the competitive circuit. You used that for the next stepping stone of getting to host these corporate clients and these leaders that you got to learn from along the way, which paved the way for the next stepping stone. And I I I think sometimes it's easy for us to look back at seasons and think, I wish I would have just got got started in the industry I'm in now earlier, but it actually all led up to this. Girl, you know, it is so funny. I did a podcast about a year ago. And in that conversation I was having, I said I failed at playing professional golf. And for so many years of my life, I have felt like I failed at playing on tour because I never, ever had actually played an LPGA event. And you know, it's so funny. The host of that show, he told me something that was so profound. He's like, you know, you use that word that you failed at that. And I think for me, it was like a light bulb moment that like, Yes, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve in that career. I would have loved to have played that one event at least. 
But at the same time too, like I learned so much from that and it wasn't a failure. And it, I love how you use the word season. I actually just did a Instagram story this morning talking about seasons in life. It's so funny that you use that word because I truly do believe that that is the case. I didn't fail at anything. I learned so much that I wouldn't be able to do what I do now without experiencing that. And it is a season. Each What I'm doing right now, I could listen to this podcast two years from now, and probably it's going to be irrelevant what we're talking about. But I've learned so much in this season. So I love the fact that you said that failure and seasons. I love that. Yeah. And so have, would you say now that you're able to kind of zoom out and see how, you know, how those years of golf contributed to the bottom line of what you're doing now and to the success of it, has your relationship with failure and what we think failure has changed? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I don't believe that there is such thing as failure anymore. I believe that there's like growth and I believe that there is change and I believe that you are always learning something and it is your decision and your choice to look at anything, you can look at it as a failure, or you have the decision and the choice to be made that you can look at it as a learning experience, or I will choose something different next time. I, I now the, the word that I've been using probably for about the last year to year and a half is definitely choice. I believe that every single thing is a choice. So if you want to call it a failure, that's your choice. But I believe that you can look at it as a learning experience. And there's no question about it. The people and the situations and the hard times and good times that I experienced through the last, you know, since I graduated like 11 or 12 years ago, have given me the tools and the mindset where I am now. Absolutely. I, you know, have a friend who always describes it as like, we're paying tuition into kind of our future when we have these experiences and we, we learn along the way. It's not lost. It's just paying tuition into kind of the big picture of what we learn in our lives. And and it sounds like you're quite the learner. Mm -hmm. I hope to be a lifelong learner myself. (laughs) What are some of the lessons you've learned on the golf course from the people you've gotten to golf with? I mean, that sounds incredible to be able to kind of talk in the context of a game, but have, you know, probably pretty deep conversations. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So what, you know, I say I host corporate and charity golf events, but a lot of people sometimes don't even really know what that means. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, I don't really love it. It's, I don't love the way that it's explained, but what I really do is I facilitate conversations on the golf course. So I always say like in, when I'm playing with corporate clients, I always say that, in six hours that I typically get, so 30 minutes before we play golf, about four or four and a half hours, and then usually there's either a drink or dinner after. So you get six hours on the golf course with people. You cannot learn as much about a human being in a one hour lunch conversation as you can with six hours on a golf course. You learn what their likes are, what their dislikes are, you know, their mannerisms, how they act, are they truthful? There's so many qualities that come out of a person on a golf course. And I believe that like 
every person, every business, every CEO, and even just regular everyday Joes should be playing golf with people that you really want to work with or associate with. I have a very, very important role. One of my mentors um, about seven years ago taught me something that I hold true to right now. And he always said, associate with people that get you hot. Well, I've kind of added this in, but he always told me to associate with people who bring the best out of you. And now for myself, my, my theory is I always want to associate with people who bring me to my higher self. So who like that higher existence, that higher vibration, that higher being, whatever you want to call it. I'm not into huge, like vibey words, but like basically like (laughs) who is, who is bringing me closer to the Christina that I truly want to be. And the five people that you associate the most with in life are those in which you're going to become. And so on the golf course, when I'm playing with the CEOs, I mean, I can take some and leave some. But I truly do believe if you want to hire someone or allow someone to be in your inner circle, when you have someone who's vibrating at that highest level that brings you closer to whatever it is that you want to achieve, I mean, there's nothing else that we should base relationships off of besides someone who's going to bring you higher. I don't want to be associating with negative people. And that's one thing that I have definitely learned from high achieving athletes. I'm very blessed that I know a lot of athletes, you know, anywhere from NFL to professional golf, football, whatever it is, those are golf and football are my two, two loves. But I'm very fortunate that a lot of those athletes have basically they don't even really have to say it, but the highest achieving athletes, the best athletes in the world and the highest CEOs in the world, they don't want to associate anyone negative because then you're bringing that vibration into their their life, whether they call it vibration or not. I know a few athletes who will allow you to play golf with them one time, but if you're negative, like, oh, I'm hitting it bad or, oh, complaining about the weather, complaining about, you know, how the greens are rolling or whatever it is, they won't play with you again because they do not need those negative forces in their life. And there's a lot of C, a lot of CEOs do the exact same thing. Like life is hard enough. Why bring those things in? into your context. Like, I don't want to hear it. I draw a line in the sand. I don't like, I have negative, I have, you know, and I feel like this is a very hard spot that a lot of people ask me questions about, like, what if someone you're closest to, like in your family or closest friends or whatever it is, are negative and they're bringing that vibe in. I'll be honest with you. I've had to draw some really big lines in the sand and they're difficult and they're hard. And sometimes you feel bad about it. But at the same time, too, I also know for me to be the highest version of myself, to be able to serve the people that I serve, I have got to remain strong. I have got to remain very focused in what I find the most important, the self-care. And for me, like negativity is just not allowed. Like there's a line in the sand and it's done. Like I don't want to hear it. I don't want to associate with it. And I feel like a lot of high-end athletes and high-end CEOs are very, very similar. They, They draw that line in the sand and they protect their boundaries. Man, I mean, I think that's such fantastic advice because I, you know, kind of live by the idea of you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with as well. And, yes, ma'am. And I really, you know, I, 
I'm 28. I called the year of 26, the year of friendship breakups. And it was mm-hmm. really, really painful, but it just got to a place where the dynamic we had created was no longer serving either of us. It was actually in both of our best interests to part ways because, you know, the dynamic always turned into an argument or, you know, some sort of way of being that I no longer wanted to adhere to. And if it wasn't going to change, which was kind of my first option, I didn't want to just leave that friend. But if it wasn't going to change, it was no longer something I could participate in because that's not who I wanted to be. And I really got to a place of this is not the person I want to be. This is not how I want to spend my time being negative or critical of other people. You know, it's just not something. I totally get it. Yeah. And it's hard because sometimes those people, you know, the, the highs are really high. The good times are really good. But if the overall dynamic of the relationship is negative or critical, you know, if, if there's not a willingness to change that part, because, you know, that's a pretty black and white area. It's either right or wrong and negativity and critical, you can't justify and say it's fine. And so at some point, if there's not a willingness to change or, or even work towards change, then, you know, what can you do? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I, I, I say it all the time. And I think one of the reason, and I know your audience is like, I'm sure like 90% women, but you know, one of the reasons why for such a long time, I was extremely nervous to get into the female space was I've always had, you know, about three to five really good girlfriends, the ones that you can really tell everything to. I am very much a all out on the table. Anyone who follows me at B Christina, especially on Instagram, I'm very, very open. Like I'm very upfront. I'm very vulnerable. I'm very authentic. And this is me in real life. This is me on Instagram. This is me everywhere. And I've, I, I really just, I really try to be authentically me and I try to put things, you know, kind of out and this is the way it is. But I think for a long time, I was hesitant and nervous because I know there is women in the world that I, I am, like my course, my mastermind, my one-on-one coaching, whatever it is, like I am very, very, very big proponent of, I do not want to gossip. I do not want to associate with people who are in that negative mindset. Like I have zero interest about going for drinks and talking about other people or bitching about my husband or all of those things. Like I have a great relationship with my husband. It's far from perfect. But like, I am not talking negatively about my, Mm -hmm. my, my relationships, my family, my girlfriends, whatever. Like I want to vibrate on the highest level. And that doesn't mean that you can't be concerned about someone, but I just like have no interest of gossiping and doing that kind of stuff. So like, I would rather stay home and sit in my lonesome forever and ever than go and associate with people who bring me into that vibe. Like it's, it's line is in the sand. It does not happen. And whether, you know, whether that means I have only five great friends, well then that's what that means. Like I don't need volume. I need quality. Yeah. I love that. I don't need volume. I need quality. And yeah, I think too, I'm from the South, so I'm sure you, you living in Arkansas, there's also a wonderfully disguised tendency to gossip in the form of a prayer request. And I, you know, I just, I, I really can't do that anymore. And I think it's, it's normalized. It's socially acceptable. And 
I, I really can't participate because that's not who I want to be. And I'm not going, I, I might truly be concerned about someone, but I'm going to talk to them about it, you know? And I, I think that it got to, it got to a place where I had to evaluate, is this how I want to spend my time? Cause this says way more about me than the other person, if I'm willing to participate. Yeah. And so it's hard, you know, it is hard to let go of those relationships and it's a choice, like you said, to, to step towards the highest version of yourself, because again, those are people that you love and enjoy, but if you can, you can no longer go down that, you know, rabbit hole. I, I just think it's worth evaluating. And I think that's something that all women have to kind of come to terms with at some point that, I mean, I I know men who love to gossip as well, but uh, (laughs) let's be honest, I have a mostly female audience. So what have you seen, you know, during your time on the golf course, uh, these high level executives during your time working with women in your mastermind, what are you seeing as kind of the core keys to success, both strategy and mindset wise? And I think you'll have a lot to say here because, because A, of your background as an athlete, but B, I think mindset can be just as important as the strategy piece of your business. So I'd kind of love to hear your thoughts on kind of both takes strategy and mindset. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the mindset and the strategy all go together so much. Like I believe the highest achieving athletes in the world, the highest achieving executives, you have to have some level of a great mindset. I mean, it's not I I don't think that they go, um, they're not exclusive of one another. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly, you know, something that, you know, a person in which I can, um, wrap my mind around and most people at least know his name is Tiger Woods, you know, Tiger Woods for such a long time in life, whether you, you know, like him now or don't like him now and the problems that he's had in the, in the past. But at the same time, like you have to look at his mind growing up. You have to look at his mind from about the 10 to 12 year era where he was one of the best athletes in the world. It's like nothing permeated that. Like he didn't allow that in. And he he was a very he didn't associate. He wasn't very open. He you know, the media didn't love him. His 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 relationships were very, very close. Like you weren't really allowed in that scape. But it allowed him to be like the best athlete in the world. You know, there was a years ago, there was a a saying or someone was talking about the fact that like, could Tiger have been as dominant in baseball as he was in golf? And I'll be honest, I think that there's a very good chance he could have been maybe not the world's best baseball player, but he definitely could have been a great baseball player just because of his mindset and his work, work ethic. I think there's a lot of CEOs and same thing that they don't allow, they don't allow the extra stuff in, you know, it's very focused. And I believe, you know, one of, I talk about confidence a lot. You know, I was recently asked to come speak at this event about confidence and I believe confidence, you know, obviously confidence grows with taking action, but you know, Gary Vee's like, just do something. Well, I believe that you know, you have to do something every single solitary day, even when you don't want to. You know, when I, I get out of bed anywhere between four and five o'clock in the morning, I do go to bed early because one of my biggest self-care tips is for myself is at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Nine, if I can get it, but it doesn't happen very often. But for me, self-care extremely important is I need to have some quiet time to myself and I also need sleep. Sleep is my number one, but I don't want to get up at four or five in the morning. Like very rare. Do I like be like, Oh, this is exactly what I want to do right now. Do I want to pull the covers back up, turn off the alarm and lay here till seven? Probably. But 
the thing is, is I want the long-term goals. I want to be able to say that, you know, I get up between four and five o'clock every morning. I get my workout in, I get my business in, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm achieving and I'm striving to be the best version of myself that I can in that day. And for myself personally, the best version of me is being able to get up during those times and do it consistently. Like it's very, very rare. And I do know that everyone has to give themselves, you know, the seasons of, you know, not as much sleep and things like that. But for myself on a consistently daily basis for the last 10 years, I've been getting up extremely early. I've been focusing in on what it is that I want to achieve. Cause to me, it's much more important to achieve these long-term goals than it is to like sleep in for three hours in the morning. Like I know I have to do the work every single day. And it's not that something I want to do. It's something that I choose to do because I know that I want that long-term goal. I want these things to happen. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. And it doesn't mean that it, it just, it happens. It's doing the little things every single day. I think in this world or this time or era or whatever you want to call it, especially we are people that want things, immediate gratification. And I know I do too, but at the same time too, it doesn't really happen like that. There's not this aha moment that boom, everything's fabulous. You're not going to read this one book or listen to this one podcast and have that explosive moment. You may, but really it takes long-term work. It takes effort on a daily, consistent basis. And I feel like that is one thing that I have learned overall. And it's about the long, like if you ask any athlete in the world, would the best day ever be the day that they got the, you know, the Super Bowl? It could, but if you really look back, it's every single moment, blood, sweat, and tears and effort that they put in for the last 20 years, five years, five, whatever it is to get to that Super Bowl. It's not really about the day. It's about the effort and the time it took yeah. to consistently put in the effort to achieve those goals. Would you say because of your background as an athlete, that's changed kind of or you have a different approach with kind of consistency and repetition in business and kind of looking at everything you do with a with the long game approach? Yeah, I mean, if I was a business, well, obviously I am a business. And, you know, when I hire people or when you're an, an executive hiring someone, I would definitely look at the people who are athletes due to the fact that we know how to consistently show up. We know how to put in the effort. We know how to work as a team. We know how to you know, practice, we know how to get up on time, like follow schedules, you know, a lot of that stuff I do believe makes a successful person. It doesn't mean that every person who's like, there's tons of successful people that are not athletes, but a lot of successful people are knowing that they have to do the work consistently and showing up on a daily basis in order to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. That makes so much sense. Why Emily's so amazing. <laughs> One of my team members, Emily, is much more athletic than I've ever been a day in my life. So <laughs> she's the best. Man, so tell us about your mastermind and what you've got going on. I love what you're doing. I know you just had a launch. And uh, is it evergreen? Are the doors always open? I want to hear all the things. Absolutely. So my mastermind was the first thing that I really decided that I wanted to put my effort into because I knew that I had some women that I had worked with before. And I was like, okay, well, I want to do this because I my belief is that when you bring 
like-minded individuals together with the same type of goal. You know, so my mastermind is very specific in its business, self-care, and relationships. Those are like the three main topics. And the women that I had in this uh, mastermind, my mastermind is called Women with Class Mastermind. But basically, Women with Class Mastermind, it was um, it's a five-month mastermind. So we're currently right in the middle. Our first month, we did a retreat weekend in Los Angeles in an exclusive, like, big beautiful home in Los Angeles and we had speakers come, you know, Doc Jen Fit, Jenna Square, yeah. she's yeah, she came and spoke and Samantha Skelly, if you don't follow her, she's phenomenal. She came and spoke to the girls. Mike Zeller came and spoke to us. He's a business strategist and Mike's worked on my team or I've worked with Mike for a little while and his team is phenomenal. So all of those people came and spoke, but you know, it was really like the hot seats. Like a mastermind is really, really, it's a very vulnerable place. It's a very authentic place. And I just hit the home run with the women that are in my mastermind this semester or this time or whatever you want to call it. It's five months. So each month now we have accountability call. We have speakers. So this month, actually September, Jay Papison, he's the author of One Thing. He's going to call in. I have Chris Harder calling in. I mean, it's really an amazing, amazing experience. And these women have like literally hit it out of the park in changing like two of the women in the group. I, I honestly believe, and they would tell you the same thing that they are different humans and it is, and it's only been two and a half months. So wow. it's been an incredible experience. So I, I knew that this mastermind was awesome. And obviously a mastermind is five months. It's a little bit higher investment. And so I really wanted to put out, because people always ask me like, what do you do? And so like I put out a course called Commanding Your Worth. You can go to commandingyourworth.com. And actually for your listeners, I'd love to do a little gift to them. So if you enter the promotion code, just be 2018, you'll get 10% off that. But just be. Yeah. Thank but, you. I'll be linking that up as well for those of you listening. Fabulous. But yeah, commandingyourworth.com because I believe it's very important to command your worth in relationships, in finance. You know, I'm a very big proponent of when good people make good money, they do good things. That actually is Chris Harder's uh, slogan, so I can't take that even though I use it so often, but I do give him credit all the time. I love that. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But I truly do believe that's so important. You know, if I don't make good money, I can't continue to help the people that I help. And I feel like it's very important. You know, I think money just accentuates who you are. And I believe that I'm a very good person. So I believe by making a lot of money, you're able to do really great things. And I know that I have been. Also, too, like your worth in relationships. You know, I am very, um, I've been with my husband for 14 years. I've really only been like in three relationships before. It's never been something I never like was like that girl who needed a relationship. But I will tell you, me being confident in myself has commanded me a man and a spouse that respects me the way that I respect me. And I believe that that's very important. And I, I, I want that for other people. I know that some, you know, we all have issues with that we struggle with in life. I am far from perfect. You can follow me and you'll know. <laughs> but that's something that I feel is really, I'm strong in. I'm, I'm definitely strong in my confidence. I'm strong in my worth. And that is something, there's things that I've done over the course of the last 10 so years in order to build that. And I just wanted to put that out there. So commandyourworth.com is a, the course for that. And then next year, I plan on having a retreat weekend. So something in between a course and something in between a mastermind. And I plan on having an event called Just Be, 
which will be cool because, you know, I actually, my handle on social media used to be Golf Christina. And recently, within the last couple of months, I changed it to B Christina. So B E Christina is my handle. And the reason why I changed it is because I felt I was labeling myself. And you know, I, I literally just want to be, I want to be me and whatever that shows up today, whether that's Christina leading a mastermind, Christina speaking to a group of people, Christina playing golf, Christina being a husband or Christina just being, because for me, it's very important that I have to just be, because I have a, 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 I I have struggled with that in life, knowing that it's okay to just be me. And for a long time, you know, I, my worth was based on what I did. My worth was based on how I looked. My worth was based on, you know, how I was as an athlete, all of those things. And now I know that just being me is exactly who I need to be, who, you know, I, I have a Christian faith, so that's who God made me to be. And I just want to be the best version of me that I can be. How did you make that transition? Because I think that's a huge, especially for entrepreneurs. I mean, for, for us who are wired this way, it, we can feel the compulsive need to do. And then what we do defines us. So how did you kind of make that transition into being? Cause I mean, I'll say, and I think my listeners have heard me repeat this a thousand times, but it, it took me a year of reprogramming myself to kind of slow down and be. Girl, I promise you that is like one of the things like I see myself speaking to like audiences of thousands about just that exact thing, because I feel like especially athletes, because that's the world that I grew up in. So that's what I know best. But I know so many athletes, high school athletes, college athletes, you are in school and that is what you're known for. You are you are Christina who plays golf. You are Christina who is a straight A student. You are Christina who looks a certain way. And that is what you tie your worth to. And it's all, I don't know if I can cuss on this. Oh, you can cuss. It's all bullshit. It's, <laughs> it's like horrible. And it's for so long, like I, I get so passionate about this because like for so long, I believed that my worth came from me hitting a golf ball. And that is so absolutely hundred percent unequivocally not true. And like, does it add to who I am? Am I proud of some of the things that I've done? Absolutely. And that's fine. But me just being me sitting on my butt and not doing anything, I am loved. And I am, I like, I think that your question really, I get so passionate. Your question was, how did you get there? And I think for me, it was a combination of digging into my faith, but also digging into, you know, re- programming my mind, getting my mind right, getting like, there's, I like, like we talked about the negativity, we talked about the excuses and all of that stuff. Like there are days where my old thought patterns creep back in like, oh, you're not good enough because this happened, or you're not good enough because this happened. But really, it that is my choice to go back into those negative mindsets, or it is my choice to go, you know what, that is a moment it is not true. And I'm going to continue to go for it because really like the honestly thing is, is like, it's really black and white. If you actually think about it, it's like, do you want to be happy or do you want to like focus your attention on that? Like it's really at the end of the day is it, it's all about happiness. Like, do you yeah. want to be happy? And do you want like this? Like, cause I am the happiest I've ever been in my whole entire life because I choose to be, yeah. I am the happiest. I'm the most 
content of where I am. And it doesn't mean that I don't have days where I want to cry, scream and run away. And sometimes it happens hour to hour. But at the end of the day, it is my choice to believe all of those lies in which I'm telling myself, because really, you know, one of the things that I struggled with was appearance because for such a long time and still to this day, I mean, I understand that I work in a career where you have to look at look in a certain way. You know, I've done modeling and all that kind of stuff. But really, at the end of the day, like my who I am as a human being has nothing to do with what size of skirt that I wear. Right. Like, it, it literally doesn't. And once you kind of like make that acknowledgement in your head, it is a consistent basis for me to like. Stay in that mindset. I even did a story on my Instagram this morning because I was talking about like this is a season where I've been the most busy. Like I've hit my premiere, second level premiere status, and it's not even it's September first. So you know what I mean? Yeah. I have been super super busy this year, and I've been and you know I'm blessed to be busy. You know, ten years ago I would have given anything to be as busy as I am now. But I haven't been able to do the self-care, like eat as healthy as I normally do, work out as much as I normally do. So I'm not in the greatest shape that I've ever been. But you know what, too? Like I can look at that and I can get depressed and beat myself up and do all the things that I used to do. Or I can choose to stay in the mindset of going, you know what? If you really wanted to, Christina, if everything came down to getting back in a size zero or two or whatever it is, you could really do it. But right now you're choosing to do these other things because they're making you happy. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent where my head is. And, and man, I think to get to that space, it's so much work. It's not easy work to get to that mental space, totally. but it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's so worth it. It's worth it. That's it. And that's exactly it. None of this stuff is easy. None of it but it is worth it. Christina, I could talk to you all day <laughs> long. I have a feeling my listeners are going to want to know where they can find you, especially for your 2019 launch of your mastermind. Tell us all the things. How can they keep up with you? Find you on Instagram. Yeah. You know what? If you just follow me on Instagram, you will figure out my website, which my name is actually Christina Liqueur, which is L-E-C-U-Y-E-R, but that's really hard. So just go to at B Christina, B-E, B Christina, and you can follow me on that and you'll pretty much learn everything. But my website is uh, ChristinaLiqueur.com and CommandingYourWorth.com. You know, if you, if you get hit me up on Instagram, you should be able to figure out everything. And I reply to everyone almost immediately. I'll try my best. At, so. Hey, that's amazing. <laughs> um, Well, it has been a joy having you on. Thank you so much. And I'll be linking you up in the show notes and you'll have to come back because I I loved our conversation today. I'd love it. And I'd love to do a live with you. I'd love to jump on. I'd love to, yeah, interact with you as much as possible because I adore you. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Oh, 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 oh